The FedLife Podcast is presented by Serving Those Who Serve, a fiduciary fee-based financial planning firm serving federal government employees and retirees all over the country. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to be taken as financial advice. All listeners should consult their personal advisors before taking any action. The opinions expressed by our hosts are their own and do not reflect the views, policies, or position of either Raymond James or Serving Those Who Serve. Hello and welcome to this episode of the New Look FedLife Podcast. This is 101. Ed, this is our 101st episode. And they get to see our mugs. I don't know if that's a win or a lose for them, but they do have it. So welcome, folks, to the new look. I'm your host, Dan Sype, additionally the branch manager here at Serving This Servingly Sype and Associates. And I will begin, as I always do, by saying thank you. Thank you for taking time to listen. And thank you for your service to the government, to the country, to me, to everybody. You don't hear it enough. You'll always hear it here. The other thing you will always hear here is the guru, Ed Zerndorfer. He is back with us once again as part of our ongoing mission to reach, teach, and serve you. Now, at the outlet, out, outset, I need to say the opinions of our guest, Ed Zerndorfer, are not the opinions of Raymond James are serving those who serve. This podcast is presented for information only. It's not intended to be taken as advice. All listeners should consult their personal advisors before taking any action. And if you don't have a personal advisor, Hit us up at stwserve.com. We'll help you any way we can. So today, this one's a little bittersweet for me, Ed. I think it's a super important topic, but by the same token, I hope none of our feds ever have to face it. And that's where their career is stopped by disability. So we're following Ed's articles covering first disability. It's a series of three. It's already up on the site. So, Ed, this is a deep topic. So let's begin with what is disability retirement and what are the general rules? Well, Dan, I can tell you that unfortunately this has happened to federal employees. They got disabled on the job. We're talking about a disability that occurred while they were in federal service. And it got to the point that the employee just cannot physically or mentally continue in federal service. So the question comes up, what are their options? Can they retire on what's called disability retirement? Or perhaps maybe instead of retiring, continue on workers' compensation. Now, there's a Mm -hmm. whole set of rules involved in disability retirement. Um, They're not easy to follow, but we're going to try to explain as best we can what a FERS employee uh, who's considering disability retirement needs to do with their specific requirements and what the agency has to do on behalf of the employee to accommodate their disability and what the agency will need to do in order to make sure that the employee can qualify for disability retirement. Sure. Okay. So what is, I'm assuming there's a criteria for it. What's the criteria for disability? So we're first going to talk about some general eligibility requirements for a first okay, employee. Basically, one main requirement, one main requirement, and that a, a first employee who is considering 
applying for disciplinary retirement must have a minimum 18 months of federal service, 18 months of federal service. Now, that 18 months means that they were in and they were in federal service covered as a FERS employee. That is, when you are a permanent employee, that's whether you are CSRS or FERS, a part of your paycheck is being contributed to the FERS retirement and disability fund. When you're an employee, you think, well, I know I'm contributing to the disability, to the first disability fund. I didn't realize I'm contributing to the, to a disability fund. Well, they're one of the same because the annuity benefit that is paid, whether you retire from the federal service or on a regular retirement or a disability retirement, it's all the same, all coming from the same pot, a pot of money. So a FERS employee does contribute to that retirement fund. A certain amount, depending on when they retired, they were hired before January 1st, 2013, it's 0.8% of their paycheck. A little more if they retired after that, hired anytime after December 31st, 2012. But here's the point. They were contributing to the first retirement annuity fund for a minimum 18 months, 18 months. Okay. Another possibility to fulfill the 18-month requirement is, let's say a FERS employee was in federal service years ago. When I say years ago, before they had some temporary time, non called non-deduction service, like they were a summer hire. They worked for the Postal Service during the busy month of December. The Postal Service just hired them very temporarily. They were not covered by for any retirement system. They were not contributing to any retirement system, whether CS was first. They were being paid, and of course, payroll taxes would be taken out of their paycheck with no benefits, including no coverage under the FERS retirement system. When they did get hired as a permanent employee under FERS, they had the option of making a deposit for the time that they were a temporary employee. Now, the only temporary service that which a deposit could be made was temporary service that occurred before January 1st, 1989, Nin- January 1st, 1989. So a first employee was hired anytime after December 31st, 1988, who had temporary service, had temporary service after that time, could not make a deposit for it. So we're talking gotcha. about Gotcha. So what I'm saying is that the t- if a deposit was made towards temporary service, it does count toward the minimum 18 month requirement. What will not be counted towards first service if someone had military service. You can make a deposit for military service, but that's not going to count towards the 18-month requirement. Some other caveats I got to add to that. Let's say a first employee was hired, you know, sometime after December 31st, 1983. They were in federal service for, let's say, 10 years, and they left federal service. They left federal mm-hmm. service and withdrew all their contributions, that 0.8% I was talking about. And then they right. came right. back to federal service, came back to federal service a couple of years later. They're starting all over again. Then the question is, if they get disabled, can the, the, and they want to apply for disability retirement and you need the 18 month minimum service, can they use that previous years? The answer is no, if they withdrew their contributions. When you take out your contributions, you're basically starting all over again. So once again, the 18 month is a minimum just to get your foot in the door, Dan, just to apply for it. You have to have at least 18 months of federal service. Now, now we'll get into specific disability criteria. 
I just want to say one thing up front, that most agencies discourage this. They, wouldn't make, they want to make every effort, they should make every effort to accommodate the employee's needs. But I mean by that, so they have a certain disability. Maybe they can adjust the job to, to accommodate for that disability. Or maybe they can take a different job, maybe doing sure. something different that will take into account the disability. Once an agency has determined, well, it's really there's the employee has a minimum of 18 months of service and they're considering disability retirement. What are some of the criteria that the agency is going to be is going to be um, considering here? We're talking about the employee has a deficiency, a deficiency with respect to job performance. They can't do their job. They can't come to work on a regular basis. We're talking about attendance. They're using up their sick leave. They're not coming to work on a regular basis. They run out of sick leave. Okay. They use up all their annually. They start borrowing annually from federal employees to be applied for. That would be a criteria. Well, if they're not coming to work, how can they do their job? Here's another factor. This disability is affecting their conduct. Maybe they're abusive mm. to other employees. They have a mental problem. Something is happening. It's affecting other sure. employees. We got a problem here, Dan. And the agency has to take that into consideration. Basically, it comes down to that there's a medical condition that is incompatible with either useful service or retention in a position. Something has happened to the employee. A medical condition is defined as a health impairment resulting from disease or injury. Maybe they have a disease, okay, that's affecting their performance. Maybe they got injured in a line of work. and the agency is not able to accommodate the employee in any way based on that medical condition. The agency has to, has considered the employee for reassignment. That's another fact I mentioned this earlier, that maybe the agency itself cannot accommodate needs, but maybe another agency can accommodate in the geographical area. So what I'm saying is the agency has to make every effort to accommodate the employee with their medical condition so that disability retirement should be a last resort. Last gotcha. Resort. I think that's fair. So assuming we've got those criteria met, what's the process for application? Okay. So the employee has to fill out an application for disability retirement. The employee also has to apply for Social Security Disability Retirement. We're talking about a FERS mm -hmm. employee. We're talking about a FERS employee who's been contributing to Social Security their entire life. Many individuals think that Social Security only pays retirement benefits. No, Social Security pays disability benefits for people who, can, who are unable to work or at least earn a lot of money because of a disability. I always point out during our social security webinars that you don't have to be old and gray to, to receive social security benefits. I've known individuals who were disabled in their twenties, thirties, who started receiving, they applied for and were awarded social security disability benefits. I also point out that when you are paying into social security, you're, you're covered by social security, like FERS employees. Um, there are five letters that comprise the Social Security Medicare payroll tax, O-A-D-S-I. O-A mm -hmm. 
it stands for old age. It's the FICA tax. It's part of the FICA tax. 6.2% right. of your paycheck goes to the Social Security Retirement Trust Fund. D is disability. Of the 6.2%, 0.8% goes to the Social Security Disability Trust Fund. Okay. And S is survivor. I is the insurance. That's the hospital insurance. That's the Medicare payroll tax. All right. But we're talking about disability here. So sure. if an individual has a sufficient number of credits to qualify for, for Social Security Disability, a FERS employee does in most cases, and they must apply for Social Security Disability. Now, we're talking about a separate application. Besides the FERS Disability Retirement, we're talking about a separate application for Social Security Disability. I will tell you that Social Security has a very rigid definition of what disability is, a very rigid sure. definition. If you cannot do your job because you're disabled, that does not mean you can't do another job, another job. So what Social Security does in terms of approving a, an application for Social Security Disability, they are using what's called the any occupation definition, mm. any occupation. Just because, just because you cannot do your job doesn't mean you, because you have a dis, dis, particular disability, you can't do another job. And if you gotcha. can, you're not going to get approved for Social Security disability. I will gotcha. tell you no, that the so, Go ahead. No, no, that kind of makes sense, but continue. Okay. So now this is very important mm -hmm. that when the individual, the FERS employee is applying for social, for FERS disability retirement, yes, OPM requires the employee to apply for Social Security Disability. But if the employee is turned down by Social Security, that does not mean that they're going to be turned down for first disability retirement. That's very important. I have sure. a client now. I have a client now I work with, and she applied for Social Security for first disability retirement back in 2018. She was approved for FERS disability retirement, but she was turned down for Social Security disability. We're going to talk hmm. more about that later when we talk about the calculation of the FERS disability annuity. But sure. I wanted to make that very clear. No, that's an important point. So, okay. So our Fed goes through and they're approved, but that's not the end of it. There's follow-up requirements, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So the FERS employee is approved for FERS Disability Retirement, and they're going to receive what's called a FERS Disability Annuity, a FERS Disability Annuity. It's related to the calculation of a regular FERS annuity, but there's going to be calculations. There are going to be recalculations, follow-up calculations. It's not just one annuity for the rest of your life. There's going to be some changes. But the employee retires, but the FERS employee retirement disability is not done yet because if that, let's say that employee who retired on disability retirement wants to go back to work, maybe they've, mm -hmm. they may, they've recovered from their medical condition. They had a certain, a certain condition that improved over time. They took medication, they got healed and they say, well, I can go back to work. Well, OPM wants to know about this. They have, the employee has to tell OPM, has to, and OPM has the right to request that a FERS disability annuitant, uh, if they're younger than 60, we're talking about someone younger than 60, Dan, 
first, for gotcha. the first, December 9th. They must provide current medical information each year concerning their medical condition. Basically, a report from their doctor what their condition is. Sure. Because if they have fully recovered, then the employee is going to stop receiving that first disability annuity. Okay. So it's a, it's the responsibility of the employee to to provide reports from their doctor each year mm-hmm. concerning their medical condition. And if they don't do that, if they don't provide those reports, Dan, OPM will stop sending the disability needs. They're going to cut it off. Gotcha. So it's very important. And there's ongoing income verification too, right? Yes. The disability annuitant, again, who's someone younger than 60, Dan. So that's the key. They're younger than 60. We'll talk about what happens after age 60 later on. They must report their annual earned income. Okay. Our income. That is their, what's their salary income, their wage income. We're not talking about, we're not talking about investment income. Investment income. That, that we're not talking about the employee who, who files on disability retirement. They're going to, they, they may, they have besides of, they have other income coming in, like from their investments. Maybe they're starting to take money out of their IRA because they're disabled. Maybe they work for a previous employer. They have money left over in a 401k plan. That, we're not talking about that, Dan. We're talking strictly okay. recovery. earned income, salary, wages, or net self-employment income. What's the purpose of that? Well, if you can work, if you're earning a decent salary, why are you on disability retirement? The whole idea right. of you're going on disability retirement is that you can't work and earn a substantial amount of money. That's the key word here, substantial amount of money. So gotcha. and it's OPM wants to see basically a copy of their W-2, I mean, a W-2 sure. or their Schedule C from their tax return to see how much they're gotcha. actually earning. Which kind of makes sense. Now, your article also states, and you touched on this a few moments ago, that a Fed can't get FERS disability and workers' comp. Yes, and I've gotten many questions about that. From a, I'm going to put on my tax hat here, Dan, because I'm an accountant, so I get a lot of questions about sure. this. And the question I've gotten from clients is, Ed, I'm a FERS employee, and I think I ha- something happened to me. I got very sick or I had an accident. And I'm really seriously thinking about FERS disability retirement. Now, my accident, I had an accident on the job working for in federal government. And I am eligible for workers' compensation benefits. And the question is, Ed, in your opinion, what's better? Should I take workers' compensation or should I apply for FERS disability retirement? Well, there are several moving parts here that you got to consider. Number one, this is important. FERS disability retirement. The FERS disability retirement annuity, Dan, is fully taxable. Federal and state. Fully. Workers' compensation benefits are tax free. Mm. Tax free. Okay. But I will, I also have to state that you can't get both, most cases. I'm going to break this down. But that's one consideration, okay? Let me just go through this worker compensation because there, there are different types of so-called awards, awards, okay? Okay. Okay. So 
if an individual applies for, let's say, a first employee who's been, let's say, disabled, who has had an accident on a job and is considering workers' compensation benefits, or maybe they got so ill as a result of their employment, something related, that they're thinking about applying for workers' compensation. We're talking about applying for workers' compensation, and this program, by the way, is in charge of it, the Department of Labor Office of Workers' Compensation. That's the program, OWCP, okay? Gotcha. Um, I also say that someone should apply for both, an employee should apply for both. And the reason is that even if the workers' compensation benefits are better, because like I said a few moments ago, in reality, you can't get both. You can't get both. But just in case, okay, just in case that the employee does get, let's say, the, the workers' compensation, but workers' compensation cuts back. They say, we're not going to give you as much money. Then the employee could say, all right, the heck with it. The heck with it. If I've been approved for disability retirement, I'm going to go, I'm going to switch over. I'm going to get the disability notice. So you should apply for both, for both. And if you get approved for disability retire, you get disability retirement and then you're, and then you get the, the workers' compensation benefits, then the disability annuity would not be paid. But if the workers' compensation benefits are cut back or reduced, cut back, reduced, gotten rid of, now you can go back to your disability annuity. Okay. Now, gotcha. the Office of Workers' Compensation will pay an elder employee compensation for loss of earnings. Let's keep in mind that when you go and work for compensation, you're not working. You're not getting a paycheck. You're not getting a paycheck. So workers' compensation, this office to the Department of Labor, does pay for these loss of earnings. You get a replacement of your earnings. This is called a non-scheduled award, a non-scheduled mm. award. And when you get this non-scheduled award, you're getting a pay you're getting a paycheck, but it's not taxable. It's not taxable. Also, it's very interesting that since you're getting your paycheck, you're still on the payroll, so to speak. Down the line, you could, if you decide, well, I'm just going to, I'm eligible to retire under a regular first retirement. That those earnings will be included in the calculation of your high through average salary. Here, you got this tax free paycheck and it's replacing your paycheck. And then you say, well, if, if I end up on workers' comp for some of years, I reach the age, now I'm eligible to retire. I'm 62 years old. I got 20 years of service. I think I'm just going to retire, get a regular, get a regular FERS annuity based on your high average salary. And part of your high average salary could be the workers' compensation benefits. Mm. So you have, a, you have a little option here, a little option here. It's very important. It's very important that, that disability annuitants consider their options here. Talk to professionals. Sure. It's not, cut, it's not cut and dry, Dan. It's not cut and dry, Dan. Now, like I said, you cannot get a FERS disability annuity and a non-scheduled award from the Department of Labor. That's what we're talking loss of earnings. But if the Office of Workers' Compensation pays what's called a scheduled award. What's a mm -hmm. scheduled award? An employee, first employee, lost a leg on the job. They lost a leg on the job. Okay. Okay. 
unfortunately, this has happened. Okay. I mean, then. So there's a scheduled lump sum benefit for that. A lump sum benefit. They get yep. that lump sum benefit. Then the FERS, the FERS employee can receive also a disability annuity simultaneously. They get the lump sum award and you get disability annuity. That's the difference between non-scheduled and scheduled. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, basically, it comes down to those two facts. Those two facts, but it's sure. so important. It's so important that FERS employees who decide that they're going to take the disability annuity, that they report to OPM, that they report to OPM what their earnings are, and if for some reason, some reason, they are able to come to to come back to full earning capacity, mm-hmm. and OPM says, well. We're going to stop your disability annuity that the employee continue in federal service to the point sure. that they're eligible to retire to get a regular annuity, which is definitely gotcha. going to be more than the disability annuity. Sure. Sure. So, Ed, let's jump into the formulas for calculating this thing. So, the, for FERS, the first year is 60% of high three, correct? Actually, there is an adjustment that under... Always an adjustment. Under the FERS retirement rules, a FERS employee who is approved for FERS disability retirement during the first year of their their retire first year of their disability retirement, the amount of their FERS disability annuity is equal to sixty percent of their high three hour salary minus minus. 100% of their Social Security disability benefit. Oh, okay. There's an adjustment there. Got it. Minus 100%. That's during the first 12 months of their first disability retirement. Gotcha. And then there's another wrinkle because the formula changes again, right? It's it's 40% minus 60% of the Social Security disability, and right? It's, and it's act, then it's, it's 40% of their higher three average salary. Minus 60% of their disability, their Social Security disability benefit. Remember what I said earlier? This client I have, she wasn't approved. She wasn't approved for Social Security disability. Okay? So all, sure. she got during the first year 60% of her high average salary. Man, think about this. 60% of their, of your high average salary. How many years would you have to work under FERS to get 60% of your high three average salary? 57, 56? Yeah, we, well, we're, let's say. So somewhere in there, you gotta, you gotta yeah, be over 62. You gotta be over, you gotta be over 60. You're not catching me on that one, sir. You, you, got, you gotta be over 62. So let's say it's gonna be about 58 years. About okay. 50, 57, 58 years. I don't okay. know how many, how many people would work that long. I'm, That's a long time. That's a long time, That's right? A long, long time. But even forty percent. I mean, forty sure. percent. That's forty. No, no That's forty. That's thirty-eight to forty years. Yep. That's right. That's a long time. So yep. the fact of the matter is, it's a lot of it's a lot of money. So here she's getting, you know, this amount of money, this amount of money. Okay. And then yep. there's going to be a third adjustment. Third adjustment. And that occurs. That, that occurs, occurs when at age sixty-two. At age sixty-two. Gotcha. Okay. 
And this is, this is, this one, I think people are going to be wowed by this one. Starting the month after their 62nd birthday, the amount of their FERS annuity is the amount that the disability annuitant would have received had she, had he or she worked until the day before his or her 62nd birthday. Wow. So let's say somebody retires under a disability retirement at age 50, Dan. Age sure. 50. And they're getting the 60% minus 100% social security for the first year. They're getting 40% of their high three minus 60% of social security benefit starting from the, the, starting when they're 51 until 61. Then, uh, and by the way, when they retired, they had, let's say, 20 years. They had 20 years, let's say, 25 years of first service when they went under a disability retirement. Okay. Gotcha. Well, now they retired at age 50. 11 years, uh, 12 years later, they're going to get a regular FERS annuity. But we're going to add 12 years to the existing 25 years they had. Okay. Sure. That makes what a total of 37 years. Starting age, they're going to get 37 times 1.1% of their high through average salary. What high through average salary? Their high through average salary they had when they retired with all the pay adjustments. Wow. Wow. That's a pretty sweet deal, actually. I mean, it's bad you got disabled, but, you know, that's a very strong calculation on behalf of the Fed, I think. I think it's a very, a very, a very generous retirement, so to speak. I mean, first off, we don't want to see any of you get disabled, but hopefully from this podcast and its articles, you're taking a little bit of solace that, that there's a nice underpinning there. And be sure to head over to the FedZone, fed-zone.com, and read Ed's articles because, as always, he puts some great examples in there. His, his examples are second to none. I'd like to thank you, Dan. I, like to, I just want to make one other suggestion, particularly to the young sure. kid, that one of the most overlooked forms of insurance when it comes to protecting ourselves is disability income insurance, disability income insurance. When I did, I've done many seminars for new employees and I stand up and then when I talk about, when we talk about financial planning and I ask the question, what is your most valuable asset at this point, your most valuable financial asset at this point in your life? And they would say, oh, I just bought a house. Oh, Mm -hmm. Tremendous, tremendous asset I have. I think all that equity I'm going to build up over the years. I said, nope, not true. And they said, well, what do you think is, what are you, what are you saying is the most valuable asset? Your ability to earn income, your earning capacity. Because if you got disabled, you got in an accident, you got so ill, you could not continue to work. That wonderful, beautiful house you bought. Sure. You're not going to be able to afford to make the payments because you can't work. Yeah. So you need to protect your income. And that's why you need disability income insurance, disability income insurance. And that's what I recommend. Yep. Particularly, I say younger employees, because when you get into your 
mid 40s by 50, disability income insurance gets very expensive. And when sure. people say to me, well, what about social security disability? Social security disability is not going to be enough to help pay your bills. And you got to be really disabled to get it. That's correct. That's you know, it's it, as you correctly point out, it's not your own occupation. It's any occupation. And it's not even any occupation by which you were reasonably suited for education and experience. It's any of them. OK, so Ed, you round out with four additional items. OK, and, and let's touch on these. There's an ability to give a survivor benefit for disability retirement. Our disabled fed, as you touched on, can buy back time. As a disabled retiree, they can keep their employee benefits, but the disabled Fed cannot receive the first supplement. So let's let's jump in first with that survivor benefit. Yes, this is important. If a FERS employee in particular is married, okay, they're disabled, sure. okay, and they're approved for a disability retirement, they're getting a FERS disability annuity. The question is, what happens to that annuity when the FERS annuitant dies? Great question. Okay. Here they have a family. A spouse, children, well, the FERS disability annuitant can elect to give a survivor annuity, a survivor annuity to their spouse equal to 10, that's that the maximum survivor is 50%, 50% of what the disability annuitant was receiving at the time of his or her death, 50%. It's only and it'll and the disability annuity will take a 10% reduction to their annuity, 10% reduction each year. That survivor annuity benefit, Dan, we've talked about it so many times, is golden. It's Absolutely. so important that all Absolutely. annuitants, whether they're trying on a regular retirement or a disability retirement, elect to give a survivor annuity benefit to their spouse. Among the other reasons, besides income. That if the fed, if the disability annuitant is enrolled in the federal employee health insurance, mm-hmm. the FEHB, and they have a spouse on there, most do. The only way the spouse is going to be able to retain the health insurance benefit, in which the government is paying seven, uh, seventy-two to seventy-five percent of the premiums of the, no matter what plan they're in, they must receive a survivor annuity from the from the annuitant. So the gotcha. same rule applies here too. And so that, that's good to know. That's good to know about that. Sure. And hey, and I'm in the private sector. I have individual disability coverage. I can tell you it stops when I die. And I can tell you it's not paying any health insurance premiums for my wife. So this is a great benefit. It's a blessing from heaven, Dan. That's the only point. I'm a retired Fed. I was under the old system. And every night I thank the good Lord. Thank you. For giving me this and a survivor benefit to my wife. I know you do. So let's hit this last one. And this makes sense, but we do need to pump it up. The disabled Fed can't receive the FERS supplement too. Yes. The FERS, what's called the Retirement Annuity Supplement, is something paid to a FERS employee who retires under a regular retirement, a regular retirement under the regular retirement rules. Before age 62. So, for example, a FERS employee who reaches their minimum retirement age and has a minimum 30 years of service will retire, get a regular FERS annuity, and OPM will add the FERS annuity supplement. And the FERS and supplement, I want to point out, stops when 
the annuitant turns age 62. Another gotcha. example is a FERS employee retires at age 60 with a minimum 20 years of service, 20 years of service. And they get the annuity supplement until also until 62. Now, if you go out under what's called the MRA plus 10 or MRA plus 20 FERS retirement, they don't get that. They don't get that. Deferred annuitants do not get that. Only other regular normal retirement. Um, gotcha. I'll be honest with you, Dan. It's not that much. I don't think it's earth shattering that that the disability annuitant does not, is not eligible for the FERS special retirement annuity. After all, they're getting 60% of their high three for the first year minus 40 and then 40% minus social security disability benefits. I think that is a nice money. Also, we didn't, it's not listed. Can the disability annuitant receive their TSP, their, T, their traditional TSP? And if the disability annuitant is 55 or older, they can. Nice. Okay. The same thing is true. Well, I should say with traditional IRIS, but you got to be 59 and a half or older. However, right. there is a way that you can receive a TSP yep. if you're younger than 55. And that is called through a TSP annuity. You can do a TSP annuity or you can do what's called payments based on life expectancy. There is a way. I would discourage sure. it. I would make every effort not to draw from your TSP, but it's there just in case. Gotcha. And Ed, you and I have been doing this both for a long time and we've come across, you know, cautionary tales. We have one that hurts our heart at serving this to serve every day we think about it. We had a client that that due to a health condition, okay, had to stop working. And clearly, clearly it was, it was reasonable. I mean, uh, the person was battling a terrible disease. And this is just where the misconceptions can come in. They asked their payroll if they have disability insurance. And technically speaking, the answer is no, because it's a disability retirement process. So this person missed almost 10 years that, that, they could have, that they could have had that benefit. So folks, if you're listening to this, share this one. I say it all the time, share all of them. Share this one with people, because what you don't know can hurt you. And we are doing the best we can to get this out there. Okay, close to 700,000 people come to our website now every year to, to read this stuff. And we're going to keep pumping it out. And Ed and I are going to keep talking about this. But I need you to help us. I need you to think of a person that's like, oh, hey, I'll bet you, I'll bet you Joe or Linda doesn't know about this and just share it with them. You know, I know we take 40 minutes on these things, but I think it's worth it. I really do. Because you're not going to get what Ed brings to the table anywhere else. And brother, I've said it a million times. I'll say it again here on our new look podcast. I don't know how you do it, but I'm glad you do it. And I sincerely thank you for what you do to the federal community and how you raise the level for us at Serving Those Who Serve. So, folks, that's a wrap. We will see you. And now you will see us because I've been saying we will see you for 100 episodes now. You will see us on our next podcast. We are Serving Those Who Serve. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast on our YouTube channel and Spotify. 
Please remember to share this with your friends, strangers, throw an enemy in there. That's fine. Check us out on Twitter, LinkedIn, and do not forget our live webinars every single week. Go to swserve.com. You'll see the button. Click it. You'll get the whole menu. The guru will come to you. You can learn about this in your bunny slippers. We don't mind. Sign up for one, sign up for all. Share the page with your friends. They will thank you. Be sure to read Ed every single week in the Fed Zone. That's fed-zone.com. And be sure to sign up for the weekly serving. Ed and all of our Fed stars will be sent straight to your inbox. Go say thank you to a couple people we don't know about. We've got Ben and Caitlin in the producer's chairs. Thank you so much for helping us do this and keeping us on track. So for Ed, the crew at Serving Those to Serve, and me, Dan Sipe, I will close as I always do by saying good luck, Godspeed, and above all, remember, it's your Fed life. Make it a great one because you deserve it. Stay well, everybody. We are out. 